You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. You're listening to South Dakota Unlimited, the podcast for the average South Dakota sportsman, where we talk everything outdoors, hunting, fishing, trapping, conservation, and anything else that impacts you as a sportsman in the 605. Hosted by C.J. Peters. Now let's get started. Welcome back, everyone, to South Dakota Unlimited. It is officially, officially the dog days of summer, and it is hot outside and humid. But I don't really care about that that much because that means the close of dog days of summer means the opening of fall, and we all know what that means, hunting season. And we are pretty much only one month, and that's all, from deer season opening up on September 1, archery anyway. Three weeks from archery, antelope, and my own elk hunting trip, which is my first time going to be chasing bull elk and elk with a bow. I am about exactly one month away. I leave August 29th. So the final countdown is here. And I'm sorry, not sorry, that I bring this up every time I break into the intro. But that is just my life. That is what is on my mind constantly. So sorry you have to hear about it. But thanks for listening. Uh, anyway, on today's episode, I talked to Mr. Marcus Ewing from The Average Conservationist, which is both the name of his podcast and his apparel company uh, that he started a couple years ago. Marcus is an awesome guy and has a big passion for conservation and really does have a big voice in the conservation world. His podcast is partnered with 2% for Conservation, uh, where he talks with people, just average people, and highlights their conservation efforts and the amazing things that they do. Uh, and his company is super unique in the fact that they donate 10% of all their profits to conservation and promoting conservation and, and ensuring these opportunities are there for his kids, your kids, my unborn children, which, you know, God forbid I ever have children where I'll be in trouble. Um, but his his, his uh, company is an apparel company. If you haven't checked them out, look it up. The Average Conservationist, he has some really cool stuff over there. Um, but our conversation is it, really great. I really enjoyed it, talking with Marcus. Uh, we talk about 
why conservation is important, what conservation is, and what we as businesses or and especially as individuals can do to be a quote-unquote average conservationist. I really enjoyed recording it. Like I said, it was a lot of fun. Uh, so I really hope you all enjoy it as much as I did. And thanks for listening. But let's just go ahead and let's get to it. Hey, Marcus, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Oh, pretty great. Just loving sweating my butt off every time I uh, take one step outside. I don't know. It's <laughs> It was like 103 or something uh, around that here in Sioux Falls today. What was it over there in Michigan? Oh, geez. Not 103. It was probably upper 70s, I would say. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Like, yeah, but the, I, I don't know if it's just Michigan or just the entire Midwest. And you're, you know, I mean, I well you're getting pretty darn close to the West there or what I would consider the West, but the humidity here is just, it's silly. I mean, it can be 75 and it just, you walk outside and it just feels like a wet blanket is kind of being like wrapped around you with the humidity. It's just, it's almost like unbearable sometimes, but the actual temperature yes, is not that bad. Yeah. Well, I think today it was, it was humid too. It was like 80 some percent humidity, I believe. And it, I walked out of work this morning and it, it, that's what it felt like. It was just like a, it was 78. It was like the temperature was nice, but it was just like a soggy, like exactly what you said. You just felt like you were being wrapped up in a wet blanket. Great way to put it. But anyway, we're almost through the dog days of summer, so we can't say too much. At least we don't live in like Alabama or Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah. Falls on the horizon. So I'm, yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to uh, cooler nights. That's for sure. Yeah. You know what fall means? There you go. Honey season. season. Absolutely. That's right. Anything. Yeah. And I'm, I'm getting too itchy to get that going, <laughs> but anyway, so let's, let's just start off. Let's tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from and what you do. Yeah. So my name uh, is Marcus Ewing. Uh, I born and raised here in Michigan. Uh, I grew up in like the Northern uh, lower Michigan. So not the UP for, for those listening that may be familiar, but kind of about an hour South of like the Mackinac bridge, uh, in a pretty small rural community. Um, and yeah, I, I, I mean, right now I, I own a, my own business called the average conservationist. Uh, we are an apparel company. Uh, it's really, I mean, I say we, but it's just my wife and I, um, but yeah, it's an apparel company and we make, uh, hats, t-shirts and sweatshirts, um, kind of, promoting and depicting, you know, a lot of not only what, uh, what I really like to do in the outdoors, uh, but I would say what probably like a lot of people, you know, like you and I, you know, like to, to participate in, um, with, uh, like I have those types of things as far as like the designs, uh, on, uh, the different, uh, the different goods, I guess. And then, uh, what I'm doing is I'm donating, uh, 10%, uh, of all of the uh, profits directly back to uh, various conservation organizations, uh, both locally and nationally. Oh, wow. That's amazing. How, how did you fall into that? I mean, like, where did this, I mean, obviously it's got to be a passion for you. So how did that come to be? Yeah. So it's a good question. So it's kind of uh, uh, making the best of a bad situation. So uh, I was let go very, very unexpectedly uh, from a job that I had. Um, it was, I was working for, for a business, a family business and the family are, you know, my family sold the business and it, with the position I was in, they were, you know, I had to sign like a contract and whatnot and like, yeah, we're, we're going to keep you for a year at, at least like through the transition period of new ownership and stuff like that. And then like four months in, like out of the blue, man, they kind of blindsided me and let me go. 
Um, so I was kind of scratching my head, like, what am I going to do now? You know, obviously the outdoors is a huge passion for me. Uh, you know, I grew up hunting and fishing, uh, and camping and really just anything outdoors. And I kind of had this idea, like I would love to operate or somehow be involved in kind of this greater outdoor community, um, and then try to do some good, uh, while I'm at it. And I kind of had this idea. I was like, you know, I've, I've always really liked, uh, you know, a, a cool t-shirt or a hat or a sweatshirt. I mean, I have more hats than you could probably shake a stick at and my it drives my wife crazy. But I was like, well, you know, what if we, what if we made some shirts, you know, with some like, you know, cool designs on them. And then we donated some money back to conservation. And she, by kind of my surprise a little bit, she was like, yeah, let's do it. And, you know, there was kind of this period where I kind of hummed and hawed for a while, like, you know, is, should I really do this? Like, it's kind of like, it felt at the time, like this big risk or taking this big chance, you know, to, you know, not jump right back into the workforce and to, to spend some time and some money to try to create this brand and, and this business. And, you know, thankfully it, it worked out and she was super supportive then she's super supportive now. And I mean, that was, oh, shoot. 2000 sort of 2000 early 2019 is when I started kind of putting everything together I mean I you know all the kind of behind the scenes stuff of like found the paperwork to become like an LLC and you know building the website uh, and then starting to kind of get the designs around and, and putting all of my ideas kind of to paper and really trying to make those designs come to life and then obviously going through a bunch of different um like shirts, I guess, like just mm -hmm. trying to, you know, like ordering a bunch of, or working with, um, with my supplier, uh, the, the gentleman who, who makes the, who actually does like the printing of the shirts for me, um, you know, like getting a bunch of samples, like making sure that the shirt kind of has like a, a very like vintage worn in feel, like kind of, as soon as you get it, I mean, that's, I hate the kind of the Hanes, you know, t-shirts that it seems like a lot of places or a lot of, yeah. I don't even know. I kind of want to like speak bad about anyone or anything, but like, that's just, that's just not the style shirt that I, I prefer. Right. Like I, I like something that's a lot softer uh, and things like that. So going through that whole process of making sure that the shirts were what I liked and they just kind of had that old school, like feel to them, kind of like that favorite shirt that you had. Um, and then, yeah, once we, we did that uh, kind of figured out what shirts or, you know, the shirts actually that we wanted to use. Uh, yeah. We went ahead and launched. I think we had, uh, maybe four or five different t-shirts and I think three different hats and maybe a sweatshirt when we launched. And now we have, oh, one, two, probably 10 or 12 different t-shirts. Uh, we have four or five different sweatshirts and probably six or seven different hats uh, that we offer now. Wow. That's awesome. You guys have done some work in the last couple of years. Yeah, it's been uh, the feedback from from people has been awesome. Um, last year, uh, yeah, 2020 was kind of a bummer, though, because the year before I was able to kind of participate in a few trade shows and stuff like that and actually get a chance to talk to people uh, because everything we're selling now is just, you know, uh, through the website. Uh, so I was kind of bummed that, you know, uh, kind of yeah, last year and then even the first part of this year, a lot of uh, trade shows, especially in like that January, uh, February, March timeframe were still canceled. Um, but yeah, the feedback's been great. Uh, I've been super fortunate to to meet a lot of really cool people um, through through the business. And then, 
obviously, you know, I, we, uh, we started a podcast a little over a year ago as well, uh, that partners with 2% for conservation, which I'm, I'm sure we'll kind of get to, uh, but yeah, like just the whole experience really has just been awesome since the get go. That's amazing. So how did, so you, you decided to start your own apparel company and where did that decision to really gear it towards conservation come from? Cause so I guess, I guess we should go back to where did you make the jump from an outdoor enthusiast to a conservationist? You know, I think it was, it was probably further back than I realized, but I think when it kind of really hit home was when I had kids and, you know, like a lot of people who grow up uh, or who start kind of in the outdoors at an early age, uh, it's usually through, you know, a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle or, or something along those lines that kind of takes them under their wing. I mean, everyone's story is different, but that that's a pretty common theme, at least, you know, in the Midwest and, and at least where I grew up. Um, so I just remember like spending all this like great quality time with my dad and then uh, 11 years ago, my dad passed away and there was like this super big void. Right. And I was kind of, I wasn't like super involved. Um, like I wasn't hunting, uh, and fishing as much at the time, uh, just because I was, you know, I was kind of young and I was just coming out of college. So I was still kind of in that college mindset, you know, which I'm sure a lot of people kind of are when they first, uh, get out of college and they're first on there and you know they're they're really really on their own with you know their first kind of adult job and stuff like that and it was just it wasn't a super big priority and then when my dad got sick um it was just another way for for us to kind of get back to where things were when you know when I was younger and when I was growing up through high school so we got to spend a lot of time in you know in the the year and a half after he was uh, diagnosed with cancer before he passed and then that just kind of like lit this fire under me like after and then when I had my kids um, like I just, I started thinking about all that again. Right. And, you know, all the stuff that he taught me, uh, as far as like preserving the outdoors, preserving the wildlife, you know, leaving things better than you found it. I found myself really wanting to instill that, uh, in my kids. And I think that's probably like, I was, I had, I'd always practiced those things throughout my time in the outdoors. Right. But when, when you have someone else kind of looking up to you and you want to be able to share those experiences with them, I think that's when it kind of, you know, conservation as a whole really kind of took on a new meaning for me. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, when she gets to be my age someday that, you know, she can enjoy, you know, the same places that I hunt now that she can hopefully, you know, hunt those when she gets older, if she chooses, or, you know, my son can do that. And I think it just kind of became a, a super big priority for me at that point. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely bring it into focus wanting to pass yeah. it on. Cause that's what it's all about in the first place. I mean, I'm not a parent, so I'm sure it's hit home a lot harder for you. Um, but so then when you started the company, was it just like, no questions asked, like, we're just going to do this. This is just what it's going to be. And we're going to build our brand around that. Or, or how did that decision come to be, I guess? Yeah. So that's a good question. So that was actually like in the plans from the get go, because the way I looked at it was, you know, if I'm going to be, well, I guess kind of really where the the name of the company and everything, the average conservationist, where that came from is, is really a lot like where I was at in my life as well. Like, you know, you know, CJ, you and I talked about it, like, we, we both love the outdoors. We wish you could spend more time doing it. But the, the fact is like, we have jobs, right. And, and responsibilities outside of those things that we have to take care of. 
And, you know, the vast majority of outdoorsmen and outdoors women are, are just like us where, you know, you have a nine to five or whatever the case is, and you've got to put food on the table for your family and things like that. So, you know, you're, while you want to do it more, like you just, you do what you can and you only have so much time. And I think that people like, like that in, in that situation and with those circumstances, excuse me, that are, you know, still spending their time um, giving back to conservation and doing the right things to try to, you know, leave places better than they found them. Um, I think those are the types of people that make up, you know, all of these huge conservation organizations across the country, whether it's BHA, RMEF, I mean, whatever three or four letter, you know, organization that's out there, it's made up of a lot of just regular people um, that just want to help and do their part. And that was really kind of what I wanted to celebrate with the company. So I knew from, you know, really the inception of the idea that we're going to, we're going to donate money back to conservation, because if, if I'm going to, you know, make a shirt that, that has a fly fisherman on it or an elk on it or a whitetail on it, and that people are going to be, and, you know, presumably people that are buying those are, you know, outdoor enthusiasts like myself, that I should be, and uh, that I should be giving back with, with some of that money. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's fantastic because I mean, there's a lot of apparel companies that I, I feel like some of them are fantastic. There's a lot of them that are really great. But I think a lot of them, or some of them at least, um, really are just in there for obviously the money because they know they can make it and they know people are going to spend the good money on, on good products. But um, so I guess that leads into 2% for conservation and talking about companies that are really dedicated to it. How, do, how does your podcast and your company link up with 2% for conservation? Yeah, so this is a pretty good story. So when I first launched uh, the brand and, you know, just being like an average guy and, and like, I don't have this like huge, crazy social media following, um, like from a personal standpoint, I mean, I still don't from the business side of things, but, you know, I wanted to, to try to get my name out there or get the, the company's name out there as much as possible and try to, you know, create some, some awareness. Um, and I had saw something with Dan Johnson, the host of Nine Finger Chronicles. And you know, I'd been listening to his podcast for, you know, for, for a few years um, as far as, you know, just trying to gain some intel or whatever one listens to, to Whitetail, you know, strategy and tactics and, and things like that. And he had put something on uh, Instagram one day about if there was, you know, any like small businesses or businesses out there that were looking for, you know, help, you know, growing their brand or promoting, you know, there's something like that. So it's like, ah, oh, you know, I, I just, I like replied to his story or whatever. And we kind of had a back and forth and then we had a phone call and I ended up uh, like partnering or becoming a sponsor on his podcast to try to help get my name out there. Um, and with that, I was able to join him on one of his podcasts uh, or one of his episodes and talk about the brand and the story and, and kind of similar to what you and I are able to hear. And, you know, after we got done recording, he was like, Hey, have you ever thought about, you know, having a, a podcast that talks about conservation and, you know, cause Dan has obviously the sportsman's nation, which is a whole network of podcasts. You, you know, I mean, you and I both podcasts fall under that umbrella. And he, uh, I was like, you know, I, it's like, I don't have a, a a podcast that focuses on conservation. He's like, it's very important and this and that, but I don't have anyone to talk about that. He's like, I think with, with your brand, um, you know, it would be, it would be kind of an easy fit. And I was like, man, I don't like, I never really thought about it. Like I it's conservation obviously is not this like super 
sexy topic. You know, it's not a lot of things that people want to tune into week in and week out for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour and listen to. Right. And, and not only that, I mean, there's people out there with a lot more knowledge um, and kind of credentials when it comes to work that they've done in conservation. Um, so I was like, nah, you know, like I, I'll think about it kind of thing. And around that same time, he had become a member on the board of directors for 2% because Sportsman's Nation is a 2%, um, uh, 2% for conservation uh, company. And so it was maybe like a month, month and a half it went by and he, you know, reached back out and was like, Hey, so what do you think about this is, you know, I'm, now that I'm on the board, I can talk to Jared Frazier, the executive director of 2%. And, um, you know, you guys can maybe have, you know, let's all three jump on a call and talk about, you know, what maybe like a, a partnership with the, with 2% would look like for the, for, for the podcast. And, you know, he's like for, for 2%, it helps them spread their message. He's like with you, 2% has a, a bigger reach, a bigger following, you know, they can help, you know, it's kind of this symbiotic relationship. Right. So at that time I was like, well, if, if they're going to attach themselves to it and they want to, you know, work with me on it, you know, they have a lot more connections and they, you know, help me set up a lot of guests and things like that and put me in, in contact with the right people. Uh, so I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I'll do it. You know? And at the time didn't really know, like, if I had kind of bit off more than I could chew kind of thing. Cause I don't know the first thing about podcasting or, or what goes into it. Right. And, you know, you just, I, I asked Dan a lot of questions. I did a lot of research, bought a microphone, bought some headsets and uh, yeah, it, that was June of 2020. Yeah. That was our, our first, our first episode. So we're just over a year in and it's been awesome. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, the people that I've, I've had a chance to meet, um, you know, whether they're a 2% business or affiliated with a 2% business or they're, you know, a committee member for 2%, like the stories that these people have that unfortunately don't get told or don't get broadcasted to a lot, you know, a large enough audience uh, is a shame. And I wish that more people uh, could hear some of the stories that just these, you know, average people are doing for conservation because it's, it's really incredible. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, just average people, like you said, obviously average conservationists. I mean, like uh, the project I was just out at in the Hills, like I met some guy, men and women who have been involved their entire lives in conservation and they're in their fifties and sixties. And it was just the stories they could tell was amazing. And, and uh, just to see that side of it and see the people that have been doing it for their entire lives and to just have such a passion for it was, it's humbling really. And, and it's just really cool. And so the fact that there's a podcast that highlights that is incredible. Um, so I guess the goal of your podcast then is, is mostly to promote their stories and see what the average person can do, or I guess what was your goal and with this podcast? Yeah. So really the goal was to, to tell the stories of, you know, these individuals and, and these companies that are, you know, putting, you know, their, their kind of collective money where their mouth is, their time, you know, where their mouth is. <laughs> I mean, that's not even the saying, but, you know, like doing, you know, not just, you know, writing checks, but, you know, putting the boots on the ground because, you know, with 2%, it's 1% of your time plus 1% of your money. Um, and like the money thing, I mean, regard, I mean, depending upon your business, like that's going to be different for, for everyone. But the, the 1% of your time is 21 hours uh, a year, 
which whether it's, you know, like a one to two person company, like the average conservationist, or you look at a company like Sticker or First Light, like it's still 21 hours. And I'm sure companies like those, you know, if you get half your employee base to go out for, you know, one day, I mean, you, you far exceed the 21 hours, um, you know, the actual 1%. But yeah, it's, it's, it's people, it's wanting to tell those stories. It's wanting other people to understand and know, you know, what these companies are really about especially companies that are, you know, operating directly in the outdoor space that are, you know, selling, you know, whether it's a good or a service to that kind of inherently or directly takes away from the land, right? Like if you're buying camo from a company, like you're probably buying camo because you're going hunting, which, you know, if you're harvesting animals or, or fish or whatever, I mean, you're taking away from the land. So the fact that those companies, you know, know what their customers are doing and want to make sure that they can continue to do those and that the, the wild places and these wild animals can continue to thrive in their areas um, is something that I think that that people need to know about. I think a lot of people probably do. I mean, there's some, you know, obviously some pretty big name companies and, and brands that are 2% certified that people probably know about, but there's also a ton of non-outdoor related companies and businesses um, that are 2% certified that I think, um, uh, people would probably be surprised to hear and that, that they should know. And it just, I think it kind of enforces the fact that, you know, conservation comes in all different, you know, shapes and sizes and colors and, and, and everything. And it's not like just this one little thing that conservation is. I mean, it's this, you know, overarching theme. It's this umbrella that so many different things fall into. I mean, cleaning up trailheads, you know, having a conversation, uh, about, um, having a conversation about conservation, um, you know, whatever the case is, I mean, there's so many things that you can do to, to help spread the message or to actually get boots on the ground. And I think that those are the things that people need to hear about. Yeah. So I guess we're throwing the word conservation out a lot. Uh, and I feel like it's really is more of a, with today's outdoor media, it's almost become a a buzzword, I guess you could call yeah. it. So can we define that quick or just maybe give us the definition for conservation? That... So I actually have one of my t-shirts. It, uh, it has like Webster's definition of conservation on the back of it. And you would think that I know exactly what it is word <laughs> for word, <laughs> but I'm just going to give you my definition. So my definition is, is essentially you know, preserving a resource or leaving something better than you found it, right? I think that that's kind of in a nutshell, whether it's, you know, a habitat or a species, you know, whatever the case is, it's, it's preserving, preserving a resource and leaving something better than you found. At least that's, that's how I look at conservation. Yeah. And why is this so important? Why has this become such a big issue over the last I don't know how many years. I mean, it definitely this current conservation movement, um, you know, starting a little over a century ago with, you know, the Boone and Crockett Club and Teddy Roosevelt and all the Leopold. But why is there being such a hyper focus on it today? And why is it so important? That's a really good question. I think, I think that a lot of the, uh, the recent attention Sometimes I think it's for the right reason. Sometimes I think it's for the wrong reason. Sometimes I think people use it as kind of a, a marketing tactic or a marketing ploy. Um, I mean, I, I can't like name one off the top of my head specifically, but sometimes I think people just use it um, 
to, to get likes, to get customers, whatever the case is. And that's kind of going back to one of the things I love about 2% is, you know, these companies, they talk about conservation. It's part of their ethos. It's part of their mission statement for the company, but then they're actually doing, you know, they're practicing those things. It's not just kind of, um, it's not just lip service, you know? And I think with social media and the way it is kind of changed or it's it's opened up a lot more eyes to the the world to the outdoor world and to conservation i think that that's probably why it's become a bit more of a, a buzzword like you mentioned and it's it's hard to to kind of weed through you know what people like i mentioned are are just saying because it's it'll garner some attention and, and who's really saying it because they really want to do the work and with you know, let's say like the last five years with like the public land movement, especially out West. Um, and I think it's just, I think it's so weird because like to say like social media has such a big like influence on it. It does because it, it you know, your message or the message of a brand or a company or, or an organization can reach so much further that it's, it's, it's just gets spread a lot more. I think conservation has always been obviously an important thing. Uh, but like anything else with social, social media, it just, it gets, you know, compounded on top of each other when, you know, a guy like Randy Newberg talks about something, you know, it, it, it gets a lot of ears and rightfully so, you know, the work that Randy's done, um, you know, for conservation and, and things like that. So I think it's just the, the, the way and kind of the day and age that, you know, people's message can reach a lot further. So I think that's kind of why um, it's kind of at the forefront and why it's become such like a, a buzzword, I guess. Okay. And then we have an organization like 2% for Conservation who are truly pushing the button and podcasts and companies like yours who are truly dedicated to it. So I guess we could could step, take a step back. What is the you know the goal of two percent? You know, one percent of your time, one percent of your money, and like, what is the goal of that? I guess is is that just so that we can weed through that, and individuals and companies can really button down and be like, yeah, I am actually doing what I I'm saying I'm doing, and I'm I'm and I'm committed to it. Like, is that the goal? Is that the point? Yeah, so I think the goal really is to, is to raise awareness about conservation. I think it's to kind of separate, you know, the wheat from the chaff in terms of like, again, the people who are saying they're doing it and the people who are, are actually doing it. And it's almost like, it's almost like this like better, I've, I can't remember who I heard describe it like this, but I'm going to use it. It's almost like this better business bureau of like the outdoor community, right? Like what companies are actually doing what they're doing. And there's like, you know, there's, what the, the one thing I really like about 2% is the accountability factor that they have because, you know, they're making sure that you're, you know, donating that money that you're actually, you know, logging those hours, you know, they're doing periodic checkups to make sure that, you know, you're hitting, you know, you're hitting those goals uh, to meet your, or you're kind of hitting those marks to meet your yearly goal. Um, so there's that accountability factor and like everything, especially in the past, what, four years, five years, you know, everything is, seems to be like uber political, you know, everything has to be red or blue, right or left. And that's one thing that is really great about 2% is, is, uh, you know, their logo and, and a lot of their messaging is all purple because they're, you know, it's nonpartisan. It's, you know, they don't care. 
you know, if you're left, if you're right, if you're red or you're blue or anything like that, like they just, they care about conservation. They care about the outdoors. And I think that's what they're trying to do is just promote and really kind of build this unified front for conservation. And that way everyone can be on the same page and, and kind of have one common goal of, you know, making things better and preserving wild places, preserving habitat, uh, you know, preserving species and things like that. And, you know, they have so many um, like connections with all these different and all these great conservation organizations that they can help as well. So, I mean, I've seen some stuff uh, just recently. I mean, this is maybe a week or two ago where there was a, maybe it was like a, a mountain goat uh, like count or something that they were doing maybe in the Black Hills. Does that sound right? Oh, it was the Wild Sheep Foundation project. Wild Sheep there. Foundation. Yeah, thank yep. you. Um, and they needed some volunteers. So, you know, not only can the Wild Sheep Foundation reach out and, and try to, you know, ask for some help, but now 2% is jumping on board with that too. You know, and they're they're trying to help out all these different conservation organizations. And I think that that's kind of their, their mission is to just create this unified front of businesses and individuals and really kind of promote, you know, people and companies that are doing the right thing for conservation. So we guess we've talked about, you know, a 2% for conservation company and what that means and them having it in their mission statement and actually walking the walk, but, and you mentioned the accountability factor. And so what, I guess, what is the benefit um, and what does it mean to be part of 2% conservation as an individual? So as an individual, like if, if you just kind of separate the two, like the, the, the personal and the, the business, uh, like whether you're a personal member or business member, uh, I mean, the, um, the requirements are the same. So it's still 1% of of your income, 1% of your time. Um, and they don't really promote like the individual side of thing. I think it's just someone, it's just something that an individual can do to kind of, what's the word I'm looking for here to kind of, uh, shoot kind of at a loss for words here. There's like one word I'm, I'm trying to come up with here. Um, it just kind of confirms, I guess that they're, they're doing the work and it, it makes them or allows them to be kind of part of, of something a bit bigger. And I think for a lot of people, like we all kind of want to have that, that feeling, right. That you belong to, or that you're kind of serving like this higher uh, or this greater good. Right. And in this particular case, conservation, the outdoors. And I think it's just a way for, for someone to um, give back uh, both time and money and to be held accountable for it. Cause some people, you know, while they want to do that, um, you know, life happens, time gets away from you. Next thing you know, it's January or it's, uh, excuse me, it's November and you haven't put in the time um, from a, a boots on the ground standpoint. And, you know, you can reach out to 2% and say, hey, you know, what can I do to make up my hours? And they're going to, you know, point you in the right direction, whether it's a local organization that they may be aware of or just give you some ideas on how you can, uh, you know, go out and, and, and earn those 21 hours, you know, in a very short amount or, you know, in a kind of a truncated time uh, slot. So I think it's just more of a, an accountability and, and wanting to be kind of part of this, this greater, this greater good, this greater, or this bigger picture of conservation. Right. And so I guess it'd be more like a way, like you said, of confirming and, and being held accountable, but then yeah. also outwardly showing like, yeah, I'm actually doing this and I don't just wear the average conservationist t-shirts. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. 
So how can people get involved with that and how can they get involved in conservation in general? Yeah. So I would say, and this was a kind of, I don't want to say like a sticking point, but it was a, there was like when I started the, the, the company and, you know, I, I thought that I had to like try to get involved with every conservation organization that I could and, and, and do all of that. And then as time goes on, um, I kind of found myself like being more passionate about other, you know, some, you know, some as opposed to others. And, you know, for someone who wants to get involved, I would say, okay, like, you know, first off, like ask yourself, you know, what are you passionate about? Is it, you know, is it upland bird hunting? Is it whitetail hunting? Is it elk hunting? Is it trout fishing? Um, is it, you know, deep sea fishing or, you know, fishing the flats down in Florida or something, something like that. I mean, find, find what you're passionate about and then do some research and find out what types of, of organizations there are that support, um, you know, things that you like to do, uh, from the outdoors or in the outdoors, excuse me. And then from there, uh, I would look locally. I think that, you know, that's, that's where I've really enjoyed, um, working, uh, in the cons or like with the organizations it is at a local level, like, especially here in Michigan, I've, I've done some work with, um, the Michigan chapter of BHA. I've done some work with, uh, the former QDMA, now NDA uh, chapter here in Michigan, uh, we have like a, a collaboration shirt that we did with them uh, this year that we actually still have, still have a couple left, uh, a couple random sizes of those left. But then, you know, that money will go directly back to um, the Michigan chapter of NDA. Um, there's another one, Michigan United Conservation Clubs which is actually like an affiliate of the National Wildlife Federation here in Michigan. And, and just, finding out what you're passionate about and, and getting involved at a local level, because that's where you're going to have, at least in my opinion, kind of the biggest impact, um, whether it's boots on the ground, whether you're going to donate money, whatever the case is and, and find out, like, if you are going to donate some money, you know, talk to, you know, talk to someone at a local level and find out, you know, Hey, what kind of projects are you guys working on that, that I could donate some money to, or I could donate some of my time to. And that's when you're going to, you're going to have the biggest impact. And I feel like from a, a giving back standpoint, like that's when you're going to feel the most fulfilled too, is when, you know, if you're, if you're spending all your time in, in, in Michigan hunting, like that's where I want to spend my time, like giving back and, and helping preserve. Cause that's where I'm doing, you know, 98% of any of my outdoor recreating. Right. And then, so if we're putting all this back and, and we're trying to get more people involved, what is the, I guess there's no end, but what is the future goal? Like 20 years down the road, if we can get, I don't know what percentage of the population we're trying to get to, to do their 2%, what does that look like? I mean, what is this goal? You know, so I don't know, like, if I could say like specifically what the goal is, but I actually, I had recorded a podcast this morning too. And the gentleman that I had on, we were talking about that is, you know, if everyone does their part, you know, whether it's 1%, whether it's 2%, whatever it is, you know, if everyone just does something, everyone does a little bit, everyone does, even if it's half of their part, right? Like it, it, it's just, it'll create this groundswell, I think of, of positive change and maybe hopefully 20 years down the road, we can be more proactive as opposed to reactive uh, in terms of conservation. Cause that's kind of what it seems like now is we're always reacting to the next thing, uh, whether it's, you know, I mean, there's so many examples, whether it's the selling off of public lands, whether it's, you know, wanting to mine in Bristol Bay or, 
the issues that they had in the boundary waters um, and wanting to, I think it was drill or mine, um, you know, in close proximity to the boundary waters, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting ahead of those things. I think that has to be at some point that has to be the goal is to, to be on the offensive instead of the defensive all the time. And I think when we get to that, um, you know, I don't want to say we can breathe a sigh of relief, but I think we'll feel a lot better about, you know, the position that a lot of these organizations are in or that, you know, us as outdoorsmen and outdoors women are in, and we don't feel like we have to constantly, you know, be fighting for every inch uh, in terms of making sure that the land isn't sold off or making sure that certain species um, are protected or wetlands are protected. I think if, I think that that has to be the goal over the next, I mean, I I don't know how long that takes, you know, I mean, it's, it's Mm -hmm. such a, you know, conservation is, is this ever evolving thing. And it's, there's always the next battle um, to fight. And I think you just, we have to do our best to try to get on top of it and be, you know, again, proactive instead of reactive. So this may or may not, this just kind of popped into mind, but this mayor, you may or may not have an answer. What would you say is the biggest threat to the conservation movement today? That is a good question. You're going to make me think tonight. (laughs) (laughs) It's too late for that. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, I think, so I, I think that you kind of have to look at that from a couple of different ways. Like, so if you look at it from like the, let's say like there's, I think like there's like the public land piece of it, you know, what is the biggest threat? I think it's just, you know, the selling off of, of our public lands and, and not having land protected, uh, I think it is our biggest threat, whether it's, you know, private corporations, it's, it's local government, it's federal government, um, whatever the case is, I think that that's, that's the biggest threat in that regard. But then I also think of, you know, the, the hunting, the actual hunting, the act of hunting that side of things. And, you know, I mean, RMEF, I mean, that's in, that's like their logo that, or that's their slogan, you know, hunting is conservation. And I, I completely agree with that. But as, as hunters, so like, if you look at the hunting side of things, like, I think the biggest threat to, to that aspect of conservation is, is almost hunters themselves, right? Like, I think even though we're a very small group uh, in, in the grand scheme of things, sometimes we're our own worst enemies and we can't get out of our own way, whether it's, you know, the, the way we portray ourselves and, you know, not everyone is this steward of the land and all that. Like, I, I mean, I understand that. And there's, there's bad apples in every group, regardless of what it is, but it's, it's making sure that we're not shooting ourselves in the foot uh, for the, in the name of hunting by, by giving our, by hunters, giving our, you know, our, the rest of us uh, a bad name, you know, by, you know, silly antics and the way they go about kind of, you know, showing a lack of respect for, for their animals or for, you know, for poaching or anything like that. I think that that's probably the biggest threat from like the, the hunting side of things is, is ourselves to a degree. Right. Yeah. And there's this, that just brings into mind, there is this Instagram, Instagram page I follow and I don't even, I'm not going to say their name obviously, but they just like, they filmed them shooting a i don't know what the context was i didn't take the time but they filmed themselves like shooting a bison in a cage like with a high power rifle like from the fence and i was like 
what are you trying to say with this? Like, I don't remember what the caption was. And I was, I was just like, this does not, I mean, people are going to associate you with a hunter and this does yeah. not promote whatever. You, I don't know what you're trying to promote, but whatever it is, just stop it. Because <laughs> yeah. this is not getting us anywhere. No, because you could have a, a room of a hundred hunters and 99 of them go about their business in the right way. They're, they're ethical, they're moral, you know, they, they do things the right way, or at least what I, you know, majority of us would view or think of as the right way, uh, you know, respectful of the animal and this and that. And then there's the one person who is kind of a slappy, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to like cuss on your, on your podcast, but you know, they, they're the ones that, you know, whether they're just, they're not um, representative of the other 99, but that one person can skew, uh, you know, everyone, you know, from a non-hunter or to someone who is, you know, you know, non-committal on, on hunting or, you know, ambivalent. They just, they don't care one way or the other, but it can just sour all of them because one person out of a hundred chose to, to be an idiot. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, those are the ones that get spread all over the internet. And, and those are the ones that tend to give us a bad name. And, and I don't think that that's at all indicative of, you know, sportsmen and sportswomen, outdoorsmen, outdoorswomen as a whole, because there's, there's far more people doing things the right way than there are not. It's just, those are the ones that, that seem to get the attention. Yeah. And just like you were talking about earlier, like as powerful as social media is as to spreading the message of conservation and the modern movement, it's also just as destructive. So it's, yeah. it's a very double-edged sword. That's for sure. Yeah, And it's a very delicate balance. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Is there anything else you would like to say, I guess, just regarding conservation or regarding 2% for conservation, your business, anything? You know, well, I, I'm terrible at plugging my business. I mean, <laughs> I, I've been, I've been doing my own podcast called the average conservationist podcast for over a year now. And I think there's maybe a handful of episodes where I've mentioned my actual company where I was like, yeah, like check out my website. Like I'm just terrible at it. It just, I'm, <laughs> I'm never like comfortable with doing it, even though it's like, people are like, man, you, you feel like you're really missing a golden opportunity here to, to help, you know, grow the, grow the brand or promote the brand or whatever. It's like, well, I don't know, like that, I like that's not what the podcast is for. Right. So I, it, it feels a little bit, a little bit funny talking about my brand when it's, you know, the episode in the podcast in general is about other people and their stories and things like that. But with conservation, I would say that if you're, if you're already an active outdoorsman, outdoors women, and you want to get involved, you know, start locally, um, figure out what you're passionate about and don't be afraid to take that first step because you're, while it can be, especially for males, it can be a bit intimidating, um, to kind of jump right into an organization. Um, but I, I'm telling you, you know, more likely than not, everyone that you're going to come across is probably going to be a lot like you, and they're going to be good people that have the same interests as you. So you just kind of have to take that first step. And if everyone just just does their part, does something, you know, one small act, whether it's every time they're out in the fields, you know, if you're, it's something as simple as like, you know, picking up some trash that you might be maybe you see in the parking lot when you're at the grocery store, right? I mean, it doesn't take any of your time, you know, just do these little things. And it, it, I think that the more positive things that you do, the more impactful things that you do, it's, it's going to cause a ripple effect. And, you know, you want to be, you know, kind of part of that change and you want to be part of, you know, you want to be on the right side of things. And I think just, you know, just get started. If, if you don't know where to start, just 
just get started. Like it's, it's go out by yourself, clean up a trailhead, walk, you know, walk the shore of a lake or up and down a Creek or a river or something, just pick up trash. Like that's, it's very simple. Like it doesn't have to be this big grand gesture. Like maybe you see, you know, with, with some of these projects that are like a two week fence pull, like we, uh, like we just saw, um, out in Montana, um, to uh, create antelope uh, migration corridor to, to open that up. Like it doesn't have to be that. And I know you wish, you know, most of us wish we could do something like that, but it doesn't have to be like every little bit helps. So don't be discouraged by that and just, just get to work. Absolutely. And yeah. now is where you should plug your business. <laughs> yeah. And, and if you want a cool t-shirt or a cool hat or a sweatshirt um, and you want uh, to help raise some money for conservation, at the same time, check out the average conservationist.com. Um, yeah, we've got, like, and like, it's super hard for me to like explain, but like the t-shirts are all like crazy soft and like the sweatshirts, in my opinion, are even softer and everything. So like men or women, like everything is, is unisex essentially. Um, like my wife, uh, loves the sweatshirts and she's not a hunter or anything like that, but I have this camel one that she practically lives in. So it's like, if you're a guy or girl, like it doesn't matter. Like we got stuff for, for everyone and uh, raise some money for conservation in the process. Absolutely. So go check it out. Everybody who's possibly listening. <laughs> yeah, please do. Please do. And, if, and uh, you can find us uh, on Instagram and Facebook uh, on Instagram. It's just the average conservationist and the same on Facebook as well. Or if you got questions on sizing or anything like that, where the money may be going um, with the, the item that you may be purchasing, just shoot me a message. Uh, you can get a hold of me through messaging on any of those. You can reach me through the website uh, as well. And I'm usually pretty responsive. So don't be afraid to, to reach out if you have any questions. Awesome. Well, Marcus, I appreciate your time and I appreciate you taking the time to come on. It was a fun conversation. Yeah, no, this, Good yeah, conversation. No, this is great, man. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, uh, we'll have to talk again soon. All right. Sounds good, man. We'll take care. You too, man. Thanks. And that is a wrap, folks. Like I said, great episode. Awesome conversation. Please go check out Marcus at theaverageconservationist.com. Check out his apparel and take a listen to his podcast, uh, The Average Conservationist, of course. Go check out 2% for Conservation. Sign up if you're interested. It's free. You get to give back and promote conservation and be a part of something bigger than yourself. You will not regret it. So until next time, thanks for listening. Give the show a rating. Let me know what you think. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, give us a follow on social media, Facebook and Instagram. And thanks for listening. So until next time, take it easy. Remember, we're one month away.